Desmond Tutu of South Africa is an amazing man to me. A priest, a social justice advocate, a peacemaker, a man of great joy and faithfulness. The children may go to children's church now. I forgot to say that. I'm sorry. Carter's there and Christy is there to take them. We've had an incredible week of vacation Bible school this week, and it's great to see them this morning. I heard Desmond Tutu speak many years ago and was overwhelmed by the joy and the laughter and the incredible trust in God, and that was in the middle of the apartheid, anti-apartheid struggle in South Africa. As you know, he grew up under apartheid. His own government officially and legally segregated him and all black South Africans in every way they could. In his work to end apartheid, he saw friends and church members threatened, beaten, arrested, tortured, killed. Yet when the system was finally overthrown, he organized the reconciliation commissions to promote forgiveness and healing. I think of him and others like him when I read this passage from Paul in 2 Corinthians, our scripture lesson this morning. As we work together with him, we urge you also not to accept the grace of God in vain. For he says, at an acceptable time, I've listened to you. On a day of salvation, I have helped you. Now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. We are putting no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we have commended ourselves in every way. And this is where I see Desmond Tutu and so many others. Through great endurance in afflictions and hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, holiness of spirit, genuine love, truthful speech, and the power of God. With the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and the left hand, not the weapons of destruction or revenge. The weapons of righteousness, in honor and dishonor, in ill repute and good repute. We're treated as impostors, yet are true, as unknown, yet are well known, as dying and see we are alive, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making rich, as having nothing, and yet possessing everything. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Love is a lot of work. That's the opening line to Scott Peck's book, The Road Less Traveled. Love is a lot of work. And that could be the title for this section in 2 Corinthians, as Paul details all that he and his co-workers have endured in order to bring the gospel to the people in Corinth. He has now run into some serious opposition there in the church, even though he's the founder of the congregation. A group or groups have formed that think Paul is too old school, too over the hill, too much yesterday's news. They want something fancy, newer, more hip, flashy. They want something a lot livelier, stronger, bolder than this 
Jew from Palestine. It seems that some new teachers have come into town. Some dynamic new speakers have come who are promising success and miracles and smooth sailing for all true believers. And now they want Paul gone. Paul does not take this opposition quietly. He's fighting back with this letter. He refuses to let sheep stealers get into the flock. And he refuses to let pop slogans of prosperity replace the story of Jesus. So he's writing a letter that is simultaneously a resume, a love letter, an entreaty, and a rebuttal, all rolled into one. Paul describes the road he has traveled as a follower of Jesus. Now, sometimes when I read this, it feels a little bit like bragging, and other times when I read it, it feels a little bit like nagging, like your parent who said, when I was a child, you can fill in the rest of this, when I was a child, I had to walk to school five miles through the snow, uphill both ways. When I was a child, Paul's saying it was a lot tougher along the way. Paul says that he has endured afflictions, hardships, calamities, sleepless nights, hunger. We know from the Acts of the Apostles that he has been beaten, stoned, locked up in jail, tossed out of synagogues, run out of town. We know he suffered at least one shipwreck and was washed up on shore. He was accused of ruining the business model in Ephesus and actually started a riot in the city. And he's been accused of unpatriotic loyalty to Rome and has been put in chains. Paul has seen more than his share of trouble while on the gospel road. Love is a lot of work. Much of the work of love is endurance, especially through dark stretches and rough places. This is the wedding season around town. I had a wedding ceremony here in the sanctuary last night. I remind couples when I meet with them before the ceremony that the wedding ceremony is telling the truth. They are asked to commit themselves to each other in plenty and in want, in joy and in sorrow, in sickness and in health as long as they both shall live. All of these come to us at some point in every household. Love is about commitment through the worst as well as the best. So super apostles have come to Corinth promising that they can teach a way to God that has no potholes, no roadblocks, no darkness, that is only joy and success. They are lying. So is anyone else who may come along saying that real believers will not face trouble. Paul speaks with authority to his sisters and brothers in Corinth. But this authority is not based on awards or honors or home runs. It's authority based on endurance and faithfulness. He will not give up on them. And he will not give up on this gospel. He embodies the gospel that he preaches. The central message of the gospel is that God does not give up on us. 
that Jesus endured the dusty roads of Galilee, the heckling of Pharisees, the torture of soldiers, the death on a cross for us and for our salvation. God's love for us is seen in endurance and faithfulness. And Paul himself has experienced this. You remember he was a co-conspirator in the death of Stephen, and yet the risen Lord called him anyway. I knew a congregation once that had a certain motto. The motto was, we do not throw people away. We do not throw people away. And by this they meant that they did not give up on people when trouble came, especially when they got in trouble with the law and ended up in jail or got in trouble with drugs and ended up hooked and addicted, maybe got to rehab. They did not abandon them. We don't throw people away meant that they continued to pray for them, visit them, write them, and welcome them whenever they had the chance. And by doing this, they embodied the open arms of Jesus. By doing this, they showed the same endurance that Paul shows his friends and his enemies in Corinth. We now have this awful and amazing story from Charleston, South Carolina. A man enters the AME church for Wednesday night Bible study. They are there to learn more about the way of Jesus. He is there to act out terrible rage and hatred, which he does with awful results. And then he's captured. He appears in court, and the church members come and stand up, and they talk to him of love, of the possibility of repentance. They talk to him of forgiveness. They refuse to consign this man to the trash heap or to hell. They refuse to return hatred for hatred. Love is a lot of work. And they talk to him about the gospel of God's forgiveness. It's an incredible moment. It comes right out of this scripture that we are reading this morning. We do not throw people away. Sometimes, sometimes we get into this notion that we'll get all the good people on our team and then we'll let the others you know, ease on out the door. Wouldn't life be a lot simpler? Good guys, bad guys. But God put us together in congregations. And it is endurance and faithfulness to each other that stands out as the remarkable characteristics of the Christian gospel. Not right answers. Not success. Not voting the same way, not singing the same way, not dressing the same way, not agreeing or disagreeing on same-sex marriage, on immigration, on Israel and Palestine, on which version of the Bible to read. This is about love, about endurance, about faithfulness to each other. We are in this together. and We are here for each other. We do not throw people away because God does not give up on us. This passage 
from Paul is hard for me to read. I do not want to be reminded about how difficult the road can be. The disciples of Jesus do not get a free pass from trouble or calamity. No free pass from earthquakes in the city or earthquakes in the family. In addition, sometimes we even stir up more trouble for ourselves when we share the story of Jesus, when we dare to speak of our hope in God, when we work for justice and greater equality in the community. Sometimes we stir up the opposition to come after us. But by the grace of God, we are still here. Like the Apostle Paul, we keep coming back because there's something here we cannot live without. Yes, love is a lot of work, but love is what keeps us alive. Love is what gives us hope. Love is what brings us closer to God and to each other each day. I want your help in closing this sermon this morning. I want us to sing, We Shall Overcome. I want to sing it as a statement of faith. I want to sing it as a prayer. I want to sing it as a response to racial hatred anywhere. I want to sing it in solidarity with people in Charleston and with Desmond Tutu. We shall overcome is the first verse. We will walk hand in hand is the second. We will live in peace. Will you stand? We shall overcome. We shall overcome. We shall overcome someday. Oh, deep in my heart, I do believe we shall overcome someday. Join hands. We'll walk hand in hand. We'll walk hand in hand. We'll walk hand in hand someday. shall live in peace. We shall live in peace. We shall live in peace someday. Oh, deep in my heart, I do believe we shall Thank you. You may be seated.